0: Visit roberthalf.com today.
1: The biggest week of the year in mixed martial arts has arrived, and CBS Sports will be offering wall-to-wall coverage of UFC 239. Brian Campbell, Rashad Evans, and Brandon Wise are out at International Fight Week, so be sure to subscribe to the State of Combat podcast anywhere you find your podcasts for an exclusive interview with Amanda Nunes and a full preview of UFC 239 with predictions and new interviews all week long. and welcome back to the first cut podcast here on CBS Sports that's Kyle Porter I'm chip Patterson uh, we've got some picks and predictions for the 3m open coming up uh, we've also got some stat of the day talking about Brooks Kepka but Kyle we love our listeners we love our followers we're, we're starting with some we're starting with a mailbag baby and I'm excited
0: we are I haven't uh, I haven't seen these questions yet I kind of want to do it like that is that okay with you oh a hundred percent. Like, I, I, I'm, I've got the sheet up, but I haven't read the question, so I just want you to just hit me with them, and I'll react in, in kind of real time.
1: Okay. Uh, Robbie asks, outside of the deer, which is the clear number one, what are the best trophies in golf? <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, there's not even a number two, I don't think.
1: The... No, um, outside of number one means we we got to entertain some other ones, right?
0: You know what? You know what I love that is uh, that's really underrated. So there's two of them, and maybe this is a little unfair. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking at the uh, Dubai Desert Classic trophy is like as big as Brian Harmon is. It's unbelievable. <laughs> I always pick on Brian Harmon. I feel bad about that. Dude, don't keep going. Uh. There's, so these are very like kind of mainstream and not, you know, off the, you know, if you want off the beaten path trophy talk on a golf podcast, go listen to the shotgun start. Like they, they go deep on this stuff. So I love both the U S amateur trophy. I think it's awesome. And I've seen a lot of them having gone to Oklahoma state. And I also love the Ryder cup trophy.
1: Mm, That's way, uh,
0: I think the Ryder Cup trophy is sick.
1: uh, Hero World Challenge trophy or bust? (laughs) The Tiger. Yeah, just the Tiger. Because (laughs) instead of having to pay the Tiger tax of 5% of every single winning check going to Tiger Woods, you instead, when you win that event, you get to pose with an idol to Tiger Woods. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Literally. Literally. A statue, (laughs) a
1: statue of a tiger. Yeah. No, the hero world challenge (laughs) trophy is my answer. And there's, uh, and there's no debating it because who, who better in the, in the post tiger era to celebrate with the trophy? Uh, and I'll throw out there since John Deere is fun. Um, and I've said this before, but my favorite tea boxes behind John Deere are also the Valspar paint cans.
0: I was going to say, so the first thing that popped in my head is it's definitely not the best. Tra- it might be the best because it's the worst, but the Valspar trophy is unbelievable. It's like a, it's hard to describe, but it's like a paintbrush, like having already painted
1: in gold, like mid stroke.
0: Yeah. With a ball on the end of it. I mean, it looks like, it looks like a, uh, a highlight, uh, like, you know, those things you fling highlight balls with. Yeah. 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 That's what it looks like. It's crazy. <laughs>
1: World, worldly sports here on the first cut podcast.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I've got plenty of highlight takes if you want those.
1: Michael asks, has Jason day underachieved in his career or was he dealt a bad hand in terms of injuries and illness? He has to be one of the most talented one major winners of all time.
0: Well, he was dealt a bad back. Apparently not a bad hand, bad wrist. Maybe (laughs) good. There we go. A bad, imu- a bad immune system is actually more like it. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I struggle with J.J. because I don't – just the way he does it, he's not a great iron player. And so you look at major winners and you're, and we're talking about, I mean, just unbelievable iron players. Rory, Brooks, uh, Spieth is – I mean, when he's – not right now, but three years ago. Un- like the best iron player in the world. And Day's just kind of like, I mean, he's okay. He just he putts so well, and it's just really, really, really hard uh, to win majors like that. And if we want to talk about one major winners, I mean, Justin Rose has one major. Adam Scott has one major. Uh, DJ's got one major. I, I think those guys are all – JT's got one major. I think those guys are all better than Jason Day. Well, I,
1: for me, Jason Day is not underachieved. He is immensely talented and – what four years ago he was the best player in the world?
0: Like, yeah, he what? had that like eighteen month deal to where you're like, wow, he might win five. And that's the thing, right? Like when guys, it, it, somebody was talking about this the other day. When guys get on those heaters, like you better win some events, like you better win some majors. You better, you better rack up some stuff because that doesn't, you get like one of those or two of those in a career
1: but i think to even have one or two of those where the heater is backed up by the results and the wins that is achieving it so jason day immense golf talent lots of professional golfers are talented but you know it's just that right now as we sit here in 2019 we're four three or four years removed from jason day playing the best golf of his career to that point so i don't think i don't think he's underachieved i just think he has already achieved and so therefore my expectations of Like, like I'm not expecting the second wave. It might come. That would be awesome for Jason Day to do that. He seems to, you know, it's not like he's missing every cut. He's certainly out there competing at a a pretty high level, but um, he has already achieved, and right now I don't have very high expectations.
0: Yeah, so he's 89th uh, on approach shots this year, 142nd last year. And 110th the year before that. That's just—I mean—you're just not gonna—you're not gonna win a ton doing that.
1: All right, this one is from uh, what is this guy's name? I don't know. Uh, so sometimes, sometimes Twitter names are Twitter names, and sometimes they're not. All right, can anyone but Tiger Brooks? Rory or Gary win Player of the Year at this point. That's Tiger Woods, Brooks Kepko, Rory McIlroy, and Gary Woodland. So it's basically that group or the
0: field. Yeah, I think DJ could right. Like if like he, D, DJ has to go, he'd have to go Open and then like he'd have to go back to back Open and Memphis probably, which he could or, do for sure, or Open and maybe two playoff events. But other than that. Uh, I don't know. I mean, who else is, who else is up there? Let's see. Uh, I mean, I, I guess anybody could. I mean, somebody could win like four in a row. Uh, I don't think that's, you know, Patrick Cantley could win the open and then a playoff event. Then, I mean, he'd be interesting.
1: I, I kind of feel like we're in a Brooks or Rory world. I'm willing to even drop Gary and tiger from that. I'll entertain DJ for sure. But, um, the I think that as we talked about in stock up stock down, it's while well, we need to entertain it and it being a possibility for the answer to the question. i um, as as I am looking at the player of the year race. I think it's Brooks or Rory, and I think that it hinges on the Open Championship, and it'll it's just going to be really fun to see that debate between the best major player and the best non major player uh, on the PGA tour.
0: <laughs> if Rory wins the Open at at uh, at Port Rush, then. Sorry, Brooks. That That's a wrap. But I think if anybody else wins it, it's probably Brooks. Did you see the um, – have we talked about the feature that, that uh, the RNA did on Rory setting the course record at Portrush when he was 16? No. Oh, it's so good. He, he shot, So he shot 62 at an amateur event at Portrush when he was 16. Course record – and people were just like losing their minds. Like who like how did an amateur break the course record? How did a sixteen year old break the course record? And Rory gets on there and he's like, and this is so like this was this is like the most um it it, it, it epitomized like just kind of who he is right now. He said he said something like it's hard to dent your confidence whenever you're sixteen years old. Like you're just you're just so cocky. Yeah. And he's like, in some ways, my confidence now is more fragile than it was then. And, and, and like, I, I think that, like, that makes it, I mean, I, I feel that right. Like, as a, as, like, I used to be so like confident about my abilities to do anything. And looking back, I was like, well, why was I that confident, you know? And, and yet now, like, you just, you've experienced so much more life that it's hard to maintain that level of, uh, self-belief and i i, I don't know it was, it was really interesting it's a cool video that, that the rna did i think it was the rna it's on the com or whatever
1: it does uh it does make me a little bit um it, it is humbling to think that in in some ways my my golf game has plateaued since i was about 19 years old
0: no i wasn't talking about my golf game but yeah that too <laughs>
1: It's just nope. There's there, there there's no linear. There's nothing linear about that. Mm-mm.
0: No. Not. Well, it's linear. It's just the wrong way. <laughs>
1: right. Uh, all right. Speaking of Royal Portrush, uh, Will asks, "How do you handle making predictions for a British Open on a course we haven't seen anyone play in a while?"
0: Yeah, that's a that's a good question. I I think that I think Irish and Scottish Open uh, a little bit. And then, I mean, in some ways it's almost easier because you're just like, well, who are the best guys? I think sometimes we get like wrapped up in, oh, who, who did good on this course at the WGC event in like 06? You know, like, well, what what does that even mean? Like, does that, is that relevant? But because it was played at a specific course, we act like it is. So to me, it's just, who are the best guys in the field? Who's playing the best right now? I mean, and that's the thing. If Kepka goes out and finishes like sixth at the 3M, you're going to be like, well, he's won in the open, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And so, I don't know. In some ways, it, it makes it a little bit easier for those of us who have to do the predictions.
1: Because um, ultimately, when you're going back for course history, it it prob- there are as many examples of he loves this course, he's going to play well working out, as he loves this course he's going to play well, not working out and vice versa. The players that you faded because of their trend at even a particular type of course, right? Where you're just like, Oh, well his game doesn't fit this Like I I don't think there's any kind of significant sway uh, on either side of that based on what actually happens in a golf tournament.
0: The only place where I feel like it matters is Augusta. That's it. Everything else is like, I don't know, man, whatever. Like, you know Rafa cabrera Bayo played well at at uh, Tory Pines last year okay I mean I guess you know I just I feel like Augusta is is the only type of of or, or the, just the only place that these guys go consistently to where everybody's just locked in that it really does you really can kind of tell some stuff from, from your course history there. Of course I say that I had Justin Rose and Paul Casey finishing like second and third and they both missed the cut. So who knows?
1: Uh, like I said, I think my, my new theory is that we're dealing with like, ultimately it's 55, 45 or 60, 40 at max. We're not dealing with significant, uh, result imbalance to say that, the way that you were feeling in 2016 is going to match the way that you're feeling in 2019. Right. All right. Uh, Daniel asks if the tour ruled that you could only carry seven clubs. um, Basically, what do you think pros would choose?
0: Well, Phil would have six drivers and a putter. (laughs) Naturally.
1: Naturally. Because yeah, because if you're course. if you're allowed to carry fourteen and you're choosing to carry two drivers, then when you're offered six, then you gotta have six. Seven, you gotta have six.
0: <laughs> oh, that would be so good. Uh, yeah, it's a good question. Seven's a weird number because the stock answer is like a th- like a four club challenge, and you got driver, seven, wedge, putter. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you had seven, I guess you would throw in driver. So you'd go, you'd go, driver. Uh, he he suggested in his question. I'll throw this in here for
1: Daniel's sake, if he's listening. Uh, he suggested, would most pros choose odds evens down the bag, or come up with some other configuration?
0: Again, Phil would would. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think most guys would just yeah, just go straight like evens. What would that be? That be that be. I think the real question is: How would you have any other woods in there? You know, yes. I, I think here's what I think: I think guys would go like the driving iron thing, like the the Jason Day Brooks Koepka club, where you've got that like fat two iron club in there. Right. I mean, I feel like Koepka could just not even carry a driver or a three wood and win like four tournaments on the European tour with that thing.
1: So, like, drive. I was thinking driver three wedge putter and then whatever three irons you love the most
0: yeah i would say i, I would go driver two like a two iron driving iron right deal and then f- uh what is five seven nine wedge putter
1: yeah that's i right. think that
0: i think that would be it
1: yeah because why would you go evens right gotta go odds yeah, S- yeah. seven irons, the magic club um all right there's a this this might shock you but there's uh there's some uh oklahoma state love coming in on the questions are you ready sure uh ricky v hovland at the open head to head who you got ryan asks
0: well i'll take ricky because hovland's not in it
1: Ooh.
0: he was in it so he qualified by winning the usam but he had to give that up by turning pro if he gets in, which is going to be hard, uh, I think the only way he can get in is the John Deere next week, the sixth major.
1: Hmm. Um. But that—I mean—it doesn't need to be win it, right? He could get in probably with like a top five finish because it'll be the top whatever who aren't already
0: in. I think it's only one. Yikes! I think it might be two, but I think it's one. I yikes. think they only gave the deer one one spot. uh i would go i would go if hovland gets in i might go hovland he's playing so that's that's less to do about ricky than it is hovland uh hovland's playing really well right now
1: um how many shots will morikawa beat wolf by this week will asks
0: okay is that will knights yes yeah he needs to just take a go pound sand or something take a hike (laughs)
1: uh tommy asks what's up with the 10 first time winners on tour this season and how cool is it that fans are getting to know their background and story?
0: I think it's awesome. And, uh, we've talked about just how there's two, there's two tours and they're both fascinating, right? Like they're both fascinating for very different reasons. One of them is the Kepka Rory DJ tour where you're like, okay, what does this mean? Historically, how many majors can these guys stack up? And the other is the, you know, the Lashley, Ryan Armour, Austin Cook tour to where you're like, oh, who is this guy? Where did he play college? What's his family like? What's his backstory? How do you get into golf? You know, that whole deal. And they're both interesting for different reasons, but I think they're both good for the game. How, how many first time winners did he say there had been? 10. So last season, there was uh, five, six, seven. Eight, nine, ten. So it's the same as last season. I think it feels like a lot, and there's still some, you know, golf to be played, but it really isn't um, – it really hasn't – I don't think it's been that big of an outlier from other seasons.
1: And finally, Adam asks, what's more impressive, Brooks Kepka's play in majors or his choice in beach attire?
0: Yeah, I did see that one. I'm going to uh, – this might be a, a don't get fired moment, but, uh, yeah, I mean, like, why? just don't, just don't do social, just don't, just don't get on. Like, why? Like, what's, I don't, what are we trying to do here?
1: Um, what is his beach? I don't, I'm unfamiliar with this reference.
0: He, again, for the second time, wore like a thong swimsuit and took a picture and put it on Instagram. I mean, it is. I mean, I will say...
1: I, I say live your if, life, man. He came if, up on the European Challenge Tour. He might have experienced some flavors at a young age that are quite different than what most people are used to.
0: I'll say this. If Gary Player had Instagram back in the 1970s... <laughs> I mean, Gary Player posed nude for the ESPN issue at the age of, like, 82. Yeah. So... He's just trying to join that nine major club or however many player has. I think he's got nine.
1: When uh, at some point during one of Brooks Kepka's recent major contentions or major wins, the broadcast did that thing where they just, they show the globe and they kind of did the like plane hopping to show all the different countries that Kepka visited during his European challenge tour days. And all I could think in my head was A young 20 something former Florida State kid getting to experience all those worldly wonders.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So I used to, I'm friends with a guy that used to caddy for uh, Peter Euline on that tour, on the challenge tour. And he used to, like, and they would travel a lot together, Euline and Kefka. I mean, I think they all kind of did, but they were, you know, they were fairly you know friendly and hung out and And, i mean you're going
1: you're going to the same tournaments you're you're not flying on the pj yet you're probably on the same planes
0: yeah for sure or or like busing or train or whatever but he's like dude this guy's sick like he's he's so good (laughs) talking about Kepka at the time and you you hear that from all these guys that he plays with or plays around or whatever coming up now I don't know if anybody thought four major good, but right. uh, he's. I think this has always been at least somewhat of the trajectory for him.
1: Speaking of Brooks Kepka, we will be uh, talking about him in stat of the day, and we've got our perfect finish and our picks for the weekend at the three M Open. All that right after this. All right, Wednesday time for us stat of the day. Kyle, what is it?
0: Okay, I'm only. I'm only feeding you this because i spent like 30 minutes looking it up for morning drive on tuesday and i just wanted to just dump it somewhere else because one of the questions that we had should should kepka like how much should he play leading up to the open and i looked at the last five years so since 15 so 15 16 17 18 19 that's however many like 17 majors or whatever the weeks in which Brooks Koepka does not play the week before a major, so he skips the week before a major, his average finish is sixteenth, which is r- really good, right? the The week or the majors in which he does play the week before the major, so for instance, uh, he plays Byron Nelson next week. He plays PGA Championship. His average finish in those in those majors is eighth. All that, four win- All four wins have come when he plays the week before a major.
1: I mean that. Intuitively, makes sense for just the idea that uh, a like a cold start for competition play would probably not like doesn't always turn out well. So I, I guess within like with no other context applied, doesn't it sound like that that should be
0: the way it goes? Yeah, I think so, and I think it also speaks to like he. <laughs> He's almost trained himself to, and Porath and I talked about this a little bit. He's almost trained himself to just treat these pre-major events as, as I don't want to say practice, but kind of practice. Yeah. You know, and so to to turn it around, and then, and when he's like, oh well, this I'm going to treat this one like not practice, like a real thing, and then he can't do it, and you're like, well, of course you can't do it because you're you've trained, you've like spent your, the last five years doing it the other way, and I think. So that part of it is—is is, I don't know. I'm just—I'm deep in the Kepka non-majors majors thing.
1: The uh, you're lost, lost yeah, in the sauce. I'm,
0: yeah, I'm I'm deep in the process. <laughs> Things are moving quickly. So
1: if there's if if basically if Brooks does win, then you you're totally prepared for to to put this whole thing in perspective.
0: If he wins 3M and the Open. <laughs> He just, he just wins everything for the rest of the year.
1: <laughs> no one is the, the foremost Kepka authority right now is Kyle Porter because he's just lost in it.
0: <laughs> he's I don't, so I don't know deep. what it means. Maybe it means nothing. I, I think, I think part of my frustration is there has to be some sort of historical context around this. And it's, it just, some of it just doesn't make sense.
1: For, I mean, he was talking heading into the U.S. Open because uh, – shoot, mind blank. What was the tournament right before the U.S. Open?
0: It was uh, Canada when Rory won by 20.
1: Okay. And he, remember, he wasn't great off the tee. And there was all the like, should we be concerned about Brooks Kepka and his performance in Canada. And uh, even Brooks was talking after that press conference. He was talking in the press conference after his final round – Um, like, like he was, uh, analyzing like the whole Canadian open was a diagnostic test for the Brooks Kepka machine. which is,
0: which is hilarious.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I love it. I I mean, he's, it's like the, the meditation practices where you start with the body scan, just, just check everything out. Diagnostic. What's it going to be? And then Brooks Kepka does that at just regular PGA tour events.
0: Yeah, I know. It's pretty crazy, but yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, you know he his finishes at the Open have been really good. He finished thirty eighth last year, but before that, I think he had finished like fourth and tenth. He missed the one in six, 16, I believe. Um, so yeah, I, I would expect him to be um, to contend for major number five at at Portrush here in a couple weeks.
1: And now it's time for the perfect finish, brought to you by Amstel Light.
0: With Kyle Porter, we're always
1: trying to predict and project what would be the perfect finish. So for the 3M Open, Kyle, what is your perfect finish?
0: Yeah, my perfect finish at the 3M Open would... I don't know that I need Phil Mickelson to actually win the event, but to have him in one of the final two pairings on Sunday, we just haven't gotten... And we, you and I have talked about this. We talked about this earlier this week, but we haven't gotten the um, on course, like the good stuff on the course, from Phil in a long time. And I think there, I think he's one of the six guys who can kind of stir up this this level of excitement in golf going into a major. And I think if he's in contention at the three M Open, you're like, okay, like, uh, the, you know, the Open Championships right around the corner. Like, I don't know. I just I feel like that would be a really cool thing, not only for this event, but for the next few weeks as well.
1: Phil Mickelson with the thumbs up brigade at Beth Beth Page. You know, he has the the video coming down Magnolia Lane at Augusta, and the it, it feels like we've written more headlines about Phil Mickelson for social media and sort of him being engaging as a character than we have for any of his on course performance since, as we've mentioned before, his last championship and his last top 10 finish, which are both the same thing when he won at Pebble in February at the pro am.
0: Well, that's the thing. Like what's the last Phil shot you remember? It's, I mean, it's a poor one. It's a poor one. Yeah, exactly. You remember the, 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 you know, Instagram videos or the button up shirt, whatever. What's the last shot? Like, like thing that happened on the course that you're like, oh yeah, that was awesome. It's it's probably
1: not from this season, but it's a low stinger. And I don't know where it is, but it's <laughs> was, a I low mean, he stinger. had some
0: great shots at Pebble the wrong month, but at Pebble regardless.
1: And that has been our perfect finish brought to you by Amstel Light. Enjoy Amstel Light. It's the perfect beer, the perfect finish after any round with your friends. All right. 3M open picks. Kyle, how are you, uh, how are you looking at this and and how are you, uh, are laying out the pieces for what you're expecting this weekend?
0: Well, again, like we talked about this with courses that players don't play a lot. We haven't seen this course. Right. And so going in, I'm just picking like, who's playing the best, who's the best guy right now. And to me, uh, i think that's hideki okay which might which might be a, su- a surprise to some people but he is so he's got five straight top 25s uh he's number how about this chip he's number six in strokes game this year he didn't he play pretty well at the u.s open uh yeah he finished top 25 whatever it was. Um. I can pull up his recent record, but
1: I've got, uh, I've got all these like burned images in my head of watching like, you know, 14 hours of golf a day across the eight different streams. But I feel like at some point I wrote down on my notepad that Hideki was playing well.
0: Yeah. So he went T 13 at rocket mortgage T 21 at us open six at Memorial T 16 at PGA and T 23 at Byron Nelson. And he doesn't have a miscut since last year's open. So it's been a year.
1: No missed cuts, but a lot of missed putts. The Hideki Matsuyama experience.
0: <laughs> Our four-part documentary. Yeah. Uh, so strokes Game this year: two point Rory, two point seven. Patrick Cantlay, two point two. How about? Have we talked about Patrick Cantlay's strokes gain season? Yes. Did we? Yeah. T- top like top twenty in the last fifteen years. Yeah. Okay, so Adam Scott's third, DJ's fourth, Justin Rose, and then Hideki is is uh, sixth at one point seven. He like he's having the type of strokes gained year. I mean, Adam Scott is the like mega version of this, but Hideki's having the type of strokes gained uh, year that you're like, this guy probably should have won a tournament. Mm-hmm. You know, t- you got other names that are behind him. Tiger he won obviously. Xander he won. Uh, Cooter won twice. Webb has not won. JT has not won. So. You know, I, I just – I feel like it would be very a very easy thing to see Hideki win. And again, like if he putts just okay, just above average, then he's he will win.
1: Why Why are bad putters able to maintain great total strokes gained scores?
0: I mean from tee to green, he's so, – so of the top six guys, he's the only one with negatives – of the top ten guys, he's the only one with negative strokes gained putting on the year. Mm-hmm. So, which means his, uh, I'll pull it up. His Tita Green just has to be f- just filthy because he's losing strokes. So, Tita Green, Rory's first at 2.4, which is a joke. JT second at 1.8. Can't lay at 1.8. And then Hideki at
1: 1.7. Can I, can I throw, uh, Justin Thomas is statistically elite and his talent is such that he deserves to always be in those conversations. But it feels, this is anecdotal, but it feels like even though he might have had enough me- measured rounds to be up there, it feels like he has not been competing as much as some of those some of those other players. So it's not his fault, but at least when I'm looking at the um, – when I'm trying to project out and I'm starting to think about the way these golfers stack up next to each other, it kind of feels like this is a season that – and I could be proven wrong, but it feels like the kind of season where I've written JT off a little bit.
0: Well, the problem is, so he he starts the season. He goes T five at Cimb in the fall, third at Tournament of Champions, uh, third at Phoenix, second at Riviera, ninth at Mexico. And you're like, okay, you know, so how many times is he going to win? He doesn't have a top ten since Mexico. So right. that I mean, yes, you are correct, but that's sort of. That's why, statistically, he's up there, but he hasn't really done anything up late. What's your top 10 lock? Uh, my top 10 lock, I've got, who do I have here? Pat, Patty Reed. Man, he dropped some
1: weight and jumped up in Kyle's book.
0: <laughs> I mean, the last time Patty Reed visited Minnesota, I thought that we were going to have to <laughs> <laughs> I, I I think about I, the Ryder I, Cup all the time. I do. I think about the 2016 Ryder Cup all the time. So it's his it's his triumphant return to the good people of Minnesota. I'm fired up about it.
1: Um, having like you mentioned at the beginning of the week, when Patrick Reed is playing well, it's very interesting, and we like interesting. So yeah. well, it's
0: great. It's great because he's either like the cockiest athlete who's ever lived, which is awesome, or he's just. The self-loathing at the you know while he's at the top of the leaderboard is I mean he's just a he's just a content machine you know
1: I need I so, need Patrick Reed to shoot a sixty-six early to backdoor the top ten and then in his post-round press conference say that he feels like he left three or four shots out there
0: three or four he he says like eight <laughs> or nine bro <laughs> he shot uh where was he he was somewhere and I think he said he left like, I think it was on the European tour. He shot like a 63 he's like, yeah, I left like five out there and you're like, Oh, so 58 was, it was like, come on, dude, like get out of here. Love it.
1: Uh, any sleeper or who you got, uh, below the fold, maybe a little bit that you think might be playing well. Uh,
0: somebody who's playing well, I don't know what his odds are going in. They're probably actually pretty decent, but, uh, the other Rory, Rory Sabatini, he's been playing awesome. He's yeah. got four. So, uh, what? Hold on. Uh, Rob Bolton, pjtrader.com, writes a really good power rankings column, and he said he's got four top six finishes in his last seven starts. Are you trying to
1: say he's having a Steve Stricker in 2013 kind of season?
0: Yeah, he's try He's coming at the. He's coming at the real Rory. No, he's not. I know. I know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's cause part of me, and this is unfair to Sabatini, but part of me feels that our interest in him is like at least 30% because his name's Rory. No, is it? What? Do you think that we would have all these jokes? Well, I and maybe the dual citizenship.
0: This, yes, the Slovakia thing. Did you see he put – I saw Porath was talking about this. He put the Slovakian flag on his yellow Strixon ball or whatever it is.
1: Oh, no, I did
0: not. (laughs) How good is that?
1: Okay. So the the dual citizenship is, is anchoring this more than anything.
0: So it's like it's like, well, whose yellow ball is this? Well, it's either it's either Bubba, it's either Bubba, Rory Sabatini, or Will Wilcox. And it's like, oh, it has a Slovakian flag. We, we got to make sure that we know whose ball this is. <laughs>
1: okay, I will stand down. The character, the man, the myth, the legend, Rory Sabatini. What what does uh, Porath call him? Uh the boy from uh the boy, the boy from Bratislava. <laughs> <laughs> oh great stuff. Uh any anything else that you're uh keeping your eyes on?
0: No, that's it. I don't know if Rory 17 is a sleeper. He's 30 to 1, which is better than Sun J M, Charles Howe, Phil Mickelson, <laughs> Jimmy Walker. Uh I want to see Victor hovland